There we go. All right. We are live. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Uh, let's just go ahead and just have you do a little intro of who you are, what you're doing, and, yeah. and go from there. Yeah, thank you guys for having me today. Um, so I'm my name's Brandon. Uh, I know Chris from the Marine Corps, actually. Um, he let's came go. in a little before me, so... Uh, but that's, that's, you know, kind of how I know Chris and, uh, I've been involved in, in fitness, I guess, to get, get to the point of the podcast. Um, since I was, you know, 14 years old, uh, I was working in a gym and I've run my own facility. I've been general manager and area sales director for multiple different fitness chains. Um, and then also done a couple of, uh, business ventures with, with friends starting their own fitness companies. Um, here in Denver and in California. And then I'm looking at doing another one here in San Antonio, Texas, probably looking like end of 2024. Um, but yeah, right now I'm currently out of fitness in terms of as, as, as a profession. Um, but I still involve myself in the community pretty heavily. I still have a couple clients that, um, I see here in person and a couple clients that I just online coach. So, um, that's a, kind of broad, uh, wow. <laughs> you know, we can dive into a little bit more detail, but yeah, yeah. uh, I've been involved in kind of every single facet of fitness that you can imagine, um, since I was young. Dude, that's awesome. I mean, being, being age of 14 and getting in, involved early, definitely, uh, probably helped you quite a bit in, in that journey as well. Yeah, I think, um, that's kind of what sparked my interest. You know, obviously I did the Marine Corps for five years immediately following high school and then, mm -hmm. um, got straight back into a, a crunch fitness in, in West Hollywood, Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, that was my first job out of the Marine Corps was going right back into fitness. And I think, yeah, a lot of it was just, I loved the gym when I was younger, man. Like a lot of mm. people don't find it until later on in life, but I loved lifting from the time I was like 14 years old. And my first job ever was just like re-racking re the, the weights at the gym, getting paid cash under the table. You know what I mean? Like, there, so I just yeah, loved the sure. environment and loved being there from a, from a really young age. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, was that family related or are you just uh, 14, just out of, out of school? And then, you know, was that like a side hustle or how'd you get in at that age? So I think back in the early 2000s, it was a little bit easier to like get an under the table job or something like that. You know what I mean? Nowadays, I don't think companies mm -hmm. would hire you, but I just walked into the gym that I went to and I was just like, hey, you guys need like help around here. And, you know, it wasn't like a chain, so it wasn't super corporate either. But, you know, the dude who owned it was just like, well, yeah, I mean, I could use you to like re-rack weights. I'll pay you whatever it was. I think eight bucks an hour or something like that. Like, oh, and uh, yeah, you could just walk around and re-rack weights. And so I was like, I'm in, bro. Like I, I always, oh, yeah, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. So I always had a, some sort of hustle. So yeah, that was mm -hmm. my hustle from 14 to 16 was just re-racking weights at the gym, man. Dude, when I was, uh, when I was eight or when I was 14, you know, eight bucks an hour, it felt like 60 bucks an hour now. You know what I mean? That was, uh. That was a big deal at that age for sure. Right. I was the only, you know, kid my age with money in, in middle school and freshman year of high school. I always had cash <laughs> on me and people were like, well, no, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. I love that. So let's get into the, like the, uh, the business aspect of it. How'd you get into, you know, working your way up from like LA and crunch fitness and then kind of segueing into that, that business. So, um, obviously I think with a lot of people that get into fitness, my first interest was in training and like being a coach. Right. And so that was kind of my entry into it. 
but they quickly found out uh, Crunch Fitness was uh, pretty aggressive when it comes to like sales goals and their compensation plans were also pretty good for trainers and uh, membership sales guys who did really well with that. And so uh, I've just kind of always had a knack for talking to people and, and for sales and um, like kind of business acumen too. Before I even went to business school in college, uh, I was really interested in like how to run a business and entrepreneurship and stuff like that. So I just kind of transferred over into sales because I was good at it and there was more money yeah. in it than coaching, to be completely honest. And uh, just I became the assistant general manager of that facility when I was only 22, 23 years old. Um, and then slowly just kind of like kept getting, you know, better positions. I kept, I went to a, a gym that had a higher price point for a membership and became a sales guy there and then moved my way up into management with that company. Um, did it all through college. And then my, my big like break, I guess you could say though, was when I graduated from college, I moved to Salt Lake City, Utah to take a position with uh, a chain. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar um, just because they're not nationwide yet, but it's called Vasa Fitness. It's yes, a HVLP, yeah, which is high volume, low price, you know, uh, kind of business model, you know, 20 bucks a month for the membership. They got basketball courts, pools, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards, more like a 24 hour fitness. Um, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Where it's just, uh, high, like, you know what I mean? Like everything that you can imagine there, but you expect 90% of your members to not use their membership to keep paying the 20 yeah. bucks a month, never go. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're, when you're packing 15,000 members into one facility, you can't have them all be daily users of the gym. Otherwise it would be an absolute madhouse and they still are kind of madhouses. So that was my break, yeah. I guess, because they were, uh, they were brand new. They had just bought out 13 gold's gyms, uh, in Salt Lake city oh, and they were rebranding. Goals they bought out? Damn. Yeah. Just, just 13, um, from, uh, a single owner and they mm -hmm. were rebranding those into what is now Vasa fitness. And now they have, you know, over 50, 50 locations, um, throughout Utah, Colorado, Kansas, um, I, I forget Oklahoma, um, but kind of here in the mountain West and Midwest. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Kind of sounds like they took the, uh, the business model from like planet fitness, you know what I mean? Like that $10, yeah, it's very month, similar. $15 a month. So yeah. Yeah. All those HVLP gyms kind of follow that same, uh, general concept and then just put their own little twists and, and spins on it. But the benefit of getting in with that company so early was that I got to not only experience career growth, but I got to see what a gym going from 13 locations to 30 locations in a year looks like. And like really branding a concept, figuring out who you are. There's it's mm -hmm. hectic, right? When, when you're starting, yeah. when you're when, with a new business like that, that has just rapid accelerated growth because you're really trying to figure out who you are and figure out what works. And so that was really beneficial for the business side of the fitness game for me was to see that that all happen and to be a part of that and move up from being just a sales guy to a general manager to an area sales director and so on. Um, and yeah. went up pretty high with that company and, and had a good time doing it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I follow you fucking since day one, since we met social media and stuff. It looked like life was uh, pretty hectic, but enjoying it too. And that's what it's all about. So a uh, couple of a uh, couple of things, you know, when you're growing that business and you got that high trajectory as far as uh, increasing sales and increasing location, just back to back to back to back at such a high pace. You know, what was some of the roadblocks that you kind of ran into? Um, I would say when 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 you're talking about just like rapid growth um, for any type of business, the main issues that you're going to run into is the people that you bring in. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have to build a really solid team from the very, from the very beginning. Um, turnover is a huge issue when you're trying to build a concept. Um, and also, like I said earlier, figuring out your identity. I think a lot of people kind of like launch a business with either too many ideas or not enough. Yeah. Right. And what I mostly see from entrepreneurs is too many ideas and they just throw yeah. a million things at, at it and at the wall and see what sticks. You know what I mean? That's not the best approach. You kind of have to iron this all out before you start experimenting um, and dumping money into expansion. Right. Um, yeah. so that's also a roadblock. We were fortunate enough to have like investors, obviously this is a very corporate, mm. um, kind of business model. And so we weren't super worried about burning through cash. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of road bumps. Like even now I walked, I walked into Avasa three weeks ago when I was on vacation in Utah, just to use the gym for the weekend while I was there completely different. The retails completely changed the personal. I always secret shop gyms. I don't know if you guys do that, but like I used <laughs> to work for them do. for a long time. And so I just walked in pretending like I was interested in a membership and I had just moved to the area because I wanted to hear their pitch and I wanted to hear mm -hmm. like kind of where they put their focus. How hard do you push personal training packages at an HBLP gym? Um, how, how does, how's the tour around the facility? What are you like highlighting? I love doing that just to, just to like, um, sharpen my skills, a because yeah. I, I learn a lot just like listening to somebody talk who's good at sales, um, and just to kind of see. I was curious to see where the business had like gone and how they were training their staff. So it's crazy how different Vasa Fitness is now to just like five years ago when I left. Yeah, no, that's awesome because I'll let AB kind of explain our business model, but uh, we we talk about it too. Is you know, first you don't want to grow too fast where you can't control it. You got too many moving parts. And then I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you got to build that team first. I mean, you got to have those people who are trustworthy, you you connect with, you know, who have the same mindset and then bring it to the next level. So I'll let it be kind of talk about our business model and what our next five to 10 looks like here. So, yeah, so we kind of have a little bit different of a business model, but I've, I've heard of the same kind of idea because we have a low uh, like it's it's a lower volume on the member side. So we keep it more exclusive. We also have a smaller location. So that was one of the things, but like opening this uh, facility for me, it was like, all right, like I want to make it exclusive. I want to have the room for, you know, personal training being like our prime, you know, driver of the business. So like we need room and space for, myself and whoever's on board to be able to coach their clients and not worry about, you know, running into, um, you know, having a full gym floor where we can't train our clients. So the members are really low. I think like right now we're at 40, somewhere in the high forties on members, but myself, Chris, um, our other coach, Chelsea, we train, um, Chris and I train throughout the whole day. Yeah. Um, Chelsea has a few sessions and does a group class. Um, but that's kind of our main thing is more like focus on the personal training side and how we can, you know, just optimize that for, for most of our business. And the, the members kind of just keep the lights on in the gym. Yeah. No, I think so, yeah. So you guys are kind of doing a, a hybrid model. So you guys yeah, focus yeah. on personal training, but your 40, whatever members, they can come and use the facility whenever they want during operating hours. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've actually never worked in a, in a, 
like a personal training gym that's smaller that operates like that. I was always curious how it would work because the two boutique training gyms that I ran and operated um, were strictly training. Like you could only come there mm -hmm. if you were training. Um, and so the price point obviously had to be a little bit higher. Like you guys said, uh, your members keep the lights on with their monthly dues with that EFT tap. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't have that. So the price point does have to be a little higher. What are you guys charging for your personal training sessions? Like what's your average cost? Uh, right now, like we're in a very, very small demographic. Our population demographic is just shy of 30,000 was uh, last year's metrics. And right now, I mean, I'm charging 40 an hour or per session, but I've got 34 sessions a week going right now. And then plus okay. I run off, plus I run online coaching as well. And I've got like 10 members right now, online coaching. And those part, and those price points are different too. I got a tier one, tier two, tier three package, depending on how much coaching they need, nutrition, all that stuff too. So that definitely, uh, that's extra money. You know what I mean? That's just going in the bank, but I make most of my money with the in-person stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool. kind of dabbling a little bit with, with the packaging. Um, I'm kind of shifting away from just the, you know, per session price when I present and more of, you know, presenting it as look, yes, training is what we need to be doing, obviously, but nutrition, accountability, like having your program, like all of that is, you know, also essential. So I kind of have been presenting it as all of that together instead of just like, oh, you just pay me like per session. So mm -hmm. instead of it, it's like a, you know, uh, one price for like this price, you get four sessions per month and then the nutrition, the app, your program and all that stuff versus, you know, just the hourly is what I'm kind of shifting towards at the moment. Yeah, one thing that I helped Vasa develop and I've, I've, I've implemented at other facilities that I stepped into too is really stepping away from offering uh, single sessions and even offering packages where people can buy like a 10 pack of sessions or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of value behind that for a consumer, right? Uh, they can use those sessions whenever they want. Um, a lot of them like use, use three or four really quick and then kind of fall off, right? And, it, and they have no mm -hmm. accountability after that. And so what I really have learned that works, which it sounds like you guys are doing as well, is offering a program. Like I, I hate yeah. using packs or um, you really want to talk to them about, hey, this is you need a three month program. You need a six month program. You need a year long program. And obviously mm -hmm. the price usually goes down per session, depending on how long they commit to. But then they actually have value. And then you can actually talk to them about like, hey, here's where I want to see you in six months. Right. Yeah. I want you to be able to do this, this and this. I want you to be at, you know, this body fat percentage, you know, and you can actually set these like uh, measurable and achievable goals for your clients. And I think that builds a lot of value and also keeps them engaged during the program. Yeah, absolutely. I know, uh, for me, like consults and, uh, intakes and stuff like that, for me, the biggest sell point is not the program. The biggest sell points myself, right? You're not hiring the program. You're not paying for the program. You're paying for me. You're paying for the coach. You know, I think that kind of gets lost in the sauce when you look at, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves and I see online is, I grew my business from 5k to hundred K in less than six months. Here's a strategy. You know what I mean? You can't manage 70, 80 fucking people and be intentful with your coaching and with everything and be able to give everybody what they need. So that's one of the biggest pet peeves in the industry right now is, you know, obviously, yeah, I want to make money, but two, I want to be 110% involved with every single one of my clients. Sure. Yeah. That, I mean, people are, people are with technology and with social media and stuff like that. 
especially with these like celebrity trainers or, or they're so-called. Yeah. I mean, but I get it. They're optimizing cash. And like, I can respect that from a business point of view, but you're right. Are they really delivering the best product at the end of the day? No. I mean, how the percentage of their clients that probably get the result that they're looking for, my guess would be that is that it's super low percentage, but they have, mm -hmm. you know, a hundred new clients every month that are signing up for a kind of one size fits all online package. And yeah, clearly the value just isn't, isn't, going to be as high as having that like in-person coach um, who's really regimenting like all all of the facets of your training including like nutrition um, i'm a big lifestyle guy so when yeah. i'm making someone's yeah. nutrition plan and when i'm making someone's workout plan first i'm like give me an idea of what your weeks look like you know what i mean like when do you wake up when do you go to bed like what do you do during the day how much time are you spending doing hobbies what are those hobbies if you can get an idea of your client's lifestyle then you can really build a program that's going to be sustainable for them and keep them engaged during during the process absolutely i mean when i when i talk to clients about that it's more you know habits daily habits what are you doing what's your sleep schedule like what's work like too you got to manage all the different stresses too before you even think about saying hey I'm a program five workouts a week and then that's not achievable, right? That's not attainable. Then they get down and down and dirty on themselves because they're not hitting, you know, every single workout that we're planning. So yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely agree 110% on that aspect of it too. And then kind of want to go back to, you know, you said earlier, you're a people person, right? You're a sales guy. You know what I mean? There's a lot of new trainers that are coming into business now that I've talked to and that are wanting to get into is maybe their people skills needs a little, little help right so you get all your certifications and stuff it doesn't teach you how to be a fucking salesman you know what i mean it yeah. teaches you biomechanics understanding how to write programming nutrition all that shit but i really think people need to have a good understanding as far as how is how do you sell right how do you sell yourself being uh, confident in how you speak to people and stuff like that so yeah absolutely one of the biggest issues that i've run into throughout and, and this goes for the small boutique personal training gyms with a really high price point and very qualified trainers all the way down to mm -hmm. hvlp models where we're hiring like you know girls and guys fresh out of college who just got their nasm you know what i mean never trained a mm -hmm. day in their life the biggest issue that i've had with trainers like as a manager has always been sharpening sales skills right and yeah. especially when they have some sort of quota and they're just like dude i'm a trainer i'm not in sales like and they don't really want to learn that side of the business but I'm like, mm -hmm. I, what I found, and obviously this is kind of a blanket statement, but the ones who are really passionate about what they're doing, just generally kind of figure those skills out. You know what I mean? Yeah. The ones that are just doing it to collect a paycheck. Yeah. They're never going to learn it because they're not passionate about what they're doing. And anybody can learn sales skills and you don't even have to have sales skills to be good at selling yourself. If you're passionate mm -hmm. about the product that you're offering, which is yourself as we were talking about before. Yeah. So if you hire people that are just like super passionate about what they're doing, love helping people, uh, love seeing them get results, generally they'll figure it out on their own or just require very minimal amounts of training to kind of develop those people skills. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, I'm always selling. Like when I go to Chiefs games, tailgating and stuff, I got eight clients just from fucking tailgating, whether they're in person or online now. You know what I mean? So it's always just trying to- Always be prospecting, get, right? Get Well, get the brand out there, get the name out there. You know what I mean? Just have those nitpick conversations. Like last year, me and AB were at a golf course, jumped in with the- with a dad and son and i maybe had a few too many beers towards the end of it <laughs> but i was trying to fucking sell them a little bit plant that seed the first hold and you know six seven holes just keep talking to him and stuff but you know 
for me getting into it, you know, I think you have to be 110% passionate about what we do, right? Getting into it, starting from zero, you know what I mean? Not making money from where we're at now. I mean, we're not even two years into the venture. I mean, I think, was it October 12th, maybe your two year? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So it's just, you know, getting the brand, getting the name out there, being passionate. And then like for me, the reward of seeing people succeed or have that lifestyle change or quality of life change too. That's, that's more to me than what money is to me right now. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and you see that uh, like across the industry, people don't realize, I think when they're young and getting into fitness as a coach, like they are most, most are passionate about it. Right. But they don't yeah. realize that there's not a lot of money in it, whether you're starting your own business and doing something entrepreneurial or you're working for whatever, a big chain gym, uh, the, the day that you get into training, your books are not built up. Your business is not built up and there is no money in it. So you got to really nope. be passionate to get past those first couple speed bumps. And then yeah. after that, you know, the, the strong survive, I guess, like <laughs> perseverance is key For in sure. this industry. Cause when you first get into training, there is no money in it, bro. <laughs> no, I, I feel you dude. And I think, uh, I can probably, uh, relate a little bit of that perseverance and drive to military experience in the Marine Corps. You know what I mean? I mean, you've been through some shit. I've been through some shit, just not having that quit. So definitely, uh, definitely helped out too. So. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. man. Oh yeah. So, uh, what's, uh, are you going to go back to school for education or what's your, what's your plans on that aspect? No. So, um, I just got this tech sales position there's just really good money in it. It's fully remote work. Yeah. So I can really focus on my own personal fitness. And then, like mm -hmm. I said, since I was 14, I've always had a side hustle. So I still got my clients that I train, um, and still got a couple other things going on. Like I was driving for Lyft for the last four months while I've been running this okay. restaurant, just, just in my free time, just for some extra cash, obviously not super passionate about driving for Lyft. Um, but it was just, <laughs> it was something to fill my time. You know what I mean? So I'm hey, really those, excited. Those are cold leads. Yeah, Those right. Leads to get in, you know yeah. what I mean? Just fucking selling there. I did. I will say that driving for Lyft was a great networking opportunity, especially in a large city like this in Denver. Like I've gone out with some people that I've given rides to now. I've done some business with people that I've given rides to. A lot of them will just like come into my restaurant that I was running. Be like, dude, you drove my Lyft one time. You told me that you're the general manager over here. What's up, man? You know, and that's good for business. So yeah, obviously great, great networking opportunity, but it's not something that I'm super passionate about. So I'm really excited to, um, I'll share a little bit just about, um, like what I'm doing currently with fitness mm -hmm. and, um, kind of a little bit of the backstory as well, um, and what got me into this. But, uh, recently just within the last like two or three years, I've really got back into coaching. I've moved away from the business side of, uh, running fitness facilities and stuff and just done, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching and, uh, my, my big things with, um, coaching that, that changed my, that, you know, that wasn't the same as 10 years ago when I was doing this is, um, I look as look at training as a much more comprehensive, uh, package now. Um, like there's so many different facets of it. And that came from one, I had an addiction problem in 2020, and then I had some serious, severe injuries and actually a broken neck. The first injury that I had was what caused the addiction issues mm -hmm. actually. And I got really out of shape for the first time in my entire life. You remember me in the Marine Corps. I was a savage oh, dude. Yeah. Like oh, I could yeah, drink all night long, get an hour of sleep and smoke everybody in the, in the run the next day. You yeah, know what I mean? Go. Like, 
<laughs> and uh, so I got really out of shape for the first time. I wish I had like before and afters to show you guys. I could pull some up later and send them over to you guys. But I got super out of shape. I was very unhealthy, not mentally well, um, ad addicted to opiates. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I really like turned that all around and uh, started focusing and not just like on the mental health stuff, but I realized too that I wasn't very mobile. I wasn't very flexible. I I've always been like, fast, had good cardio, been able to put on muscle pretty easily just because I think I understand the concepts and I have pretty good drive, but it wasn't a complete package. So I started really diving into like Alex Guerrero's book. I don't know if you guys are mm. familiar with him, uh, Tom Brady's trainer and started like mm. really looking at pliability and flexibility. Um, I became the general manager and area sales director for a stretch lab, which is a, a exponential fitness chain that's nationwide um, that okay. just does just does PNF stretching. And so now the clients that I take on are generally recovering addicts, uh, veterans struggling with PTSD and uh, mental health issues, abused women, things like that. And those are the kind of clients that I take on because I'm like, Hey, this is a complete package. We need to focus on your mental health. We need to focus on flexibility, pliability, physical strength, physical endurance. Like obviously if you're a power lifter, you're just kind of pigeonholing yourself because that's you go to compete and that's what you need to be able to do if you're a distance runner yep. you're you know you're focusing more on the endurance so obviously some certain people tailor things but for your everyday people which i think is who all of us try to uh, appeal to the most um you really got to put it all together and show them that no there's all of these things um that you need to to include in your program and to start progressing in order to like live a better life you know some of my, yeah. my best success stories that give me the most happiness aren't the dude who gets on stage for the first time and competes and is just absolutely nope. jacked, you know, like good for you, bro. Absolutely. And I'll train people like that if they really have the drive and they really want to. But my favorite clients were like the 70 year old woman who just wanted to be able to pick up her grandchildren, you know, mm -hmm. and she's like, I can't even bend down and pick them up and play with them. And so just getting her functionally strong enough to be able to play with her grandkids again that's the kind of lifestyle changes that bring me more uh, satisfaction, I would say, with my clients. Yeah, dude, dude, I align well with that. You know what I mean? I love my old people. Like I have my athletes, I have my younger kids and the boys and girls. But, you know, for me is, you know, bringing back that quality of life and having somebody say, hey, I was able to play for two hours with my grandkids this weekend. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like one of my clients, she's a multiple transplant survivor and cancer survivor, too. You know what I mean? Getting her back to a standard human being functional life. You know what I mean? That's what drives me. So definitely, uh, definitely uh, resonates really well on that aspect. Yeah. For sure. I love those little, just like when you can improve someone's quality of life, isn't that mm -hmm. like really truly like what being a coach is all about? It's not yeah. always about being able to throw the hardest or jump the highest. Obviously those are facets of training. But yeah, I think for, for most of us that are into coaching, it's really just being able to improve the quality of someone's life. Yeah, no, I feel you. I got a, when I got out of the core, I was, you know, I was lost. I didn't have any direction. I didn't have any purpose. I didn't feel like it, right? So I jumped in at a manufacturing company here. And, you know, for me, I always like leading people. So I worked my way up to management real quick within, within two years and ran, the, ran a wheel line business for a while. But I just didn't feel that like, connection with the community, connection with myself, my internal self. I tell people, you know, when I had my son, my son saved me. You know what I mean? That was my purpose. That I found that purpose. He'll be, uh, he'll be nine here, May 22nd. But if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be here, to be honest with you. 
you know, I was depressed. I was drinking a lot. I was what, 247, 250, about 30% body fat, couldn't move strong. I just like looked at myself one day. I was like, I can't do this. I mean, I got to set an example for him. I got to set an example for, you know, any other person who's looking up to me that I don't know about. And I want to get back in the community and want to help. So definitely a gym, definitely save that too, for sure. But I think there's a stigma out there too, is I don't really want to say gym's therapy, but gym actually, you know, it's a good release. You know I mean? I think therapy's therapy, but I think gym is, is a good release. It kind of keeps me sane. If I'm feeling stressed after a couple of days of not hitting, I get a little tight, a little tension going on, but yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I've had, I've, I, I was telling someone this the other day and they're like, what, really? That's, that's serious. But I've had probably a dozen plus or minus a couple, you know, uh, clients mm -hmm. cry during a training session with me and not because the yeah. workout was so hard, but just because they start opening up about all this emotional shit that's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. You develop this really close bond with your clients sometimes. And, um, also when you are exerting yourself physically too, I think it starts firing the neurons in the brain too. You start thinking through shit. And so the gym is absolutely therapy. Am I saying that it's a replacement for going to actual like mental health counseling? If you have issues with that, absolutely no. not. But is it a yeah. great supplement to that? And will you start mm -hmm. thinking about things different as you start feeling better? And as you start like getting like hitting the reaching goals. Like I think a lot of our clients, dude, have never really accomplished things physically in their life. So just yeah. being able to do a, their first pull up or whatever mm -hmm. is such a big thing for them and boost the confidence through the roof. And, and it, it a hundred percent translates to business, to being a parent. You know what I mean? Yep. As you were talking about earlier, like 100%. If you can push yourself and, and, and you can hit, you can achieve goals and you can either self-motivate or do that with a coach, then it's absolutely going to translate and spill over into a lot of other things in your life. Yeah. I think you hit a good point too, as far as, you know, connecting with your clients, you know, that's, that's good retention just from the business side, but that just builds that trust factor too, with that one-on-one -on -one coaching. And it's not even the one-on-one -on -one in person. It's the one-on-one -on -one online too. I mean, you know, depending on how long we talk or if they need conversations like that, it's not just about how strong are we getting. It's about, you know, how are we feeling up there today? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my first question. When I was running the boutique yeah. personal training gym, as soon as my clients would walk through that front door, well, I had to go let them in because it was obviously a locked facility. So I'd go let them in and I'd say, hey, how are we feeling today? And, you know, mm -hmm. if they started being like, oh, well, my knee feels a little bit. And I'm no, how are you feeling today? Like how yeah. mentally prepared are you tired? What you know, tell me how you're actually feeling so that we can like mm -hmm. start this off on the right foot. If they're feeling sluggish or whatever, you can get real creative with a warm up to get their brain firing, mm -hmm. to get that mind body connection going. They've been sitting at a desk all day for like nine hours. There's different ways that you can get them engaged early. So that's always my first yeah. question is how are you doing today? And that's not just how are you, how's your body feeling today? Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, my first question is how's the mind? How's the body? You know what I mean? Yep. Those are obviously subjective statements, but it kind of gives you a good guidance as far as, you know, where that next hour, hour and a half is going to lead you. So you can definitely make that, make that transition. You know, I always go into my sessions with at least two different plans. One is a plan. You know what I mean? This is what the intent of the day is. And then two, if they're walking in and they're just not there, I'm going to meet them where they're at mentally and physically, and then see what we can achieve that day. You know, I think that's, yeah. You know, part of being a great trainer, not just a good trainer, but a great trainer is being able to make those decisions on the spot instantly. I mean, know your clients, know your workouts, you know, adjust when needed. That way, at the end of the workout, client feels better, you feel better, your next session is going to be great. Usually, 
if it's a if I come in and they're just not feeling today, we'll get a little bit going. We'll maybe cut the session halfway short. Next session, they're fucking spot on. You know what I mean? They just they feel a lot better leaving. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's a good skill for them to understand as well. Cause mm-hmm. you know, people have like the it's an all or nothing every session. Yeah, for sure. And so like I had one session with a guy and he didn't get much sleep. He was driving back and forth from Topeka. There was a lot of stress with the situation. So when he came in Friday morning, I was like, all right, like we're scrapping the original plan. And then as I took him through that and we just kind of moved a little bit, like worked some rotation and, you know, had him on machine. So he was, you know, just externally stabilized. We didn't have to worry about like controlling his spine and his pelvis and all that stuff and that was a a talking point for me to him to teach the skill of like look every session is not going to be like a send it session Mm -hmm. like if you have times like this like this is how you can dial things down so that you don't fuck yourself up you know because there is a risk of injury there's a risk of just feeling like shit when you leave you know like tearing him like he he still had a whole day of shit to do also like he still had to go back to Topeka and I was like all right like this is how you can do this and like at the end he was like okay that makes sense yeah for sure yeah really once you once you get someone to really understand like it's 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 all about consistency it's not always about giving 110% every single day, you know, yeah. like you see some of these For corny sure. fitness influencers on Instagram and stuff like that. They're like, <laughs> I never slack in the gym three hours a day. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, yeah, but that doesn't work for everyone. You know what I mean? Like uh, other people what's, have like really hectic lives. So if you can just get them, get it saying? into your client, which one? Bradbury, Bradbury. I'm not familiar with him. Castleberry. Oh, Castleberry. Yeah. Brad like, Castleberry. You sleep 10. I'm going to sleep 12. You sleep two. I'm going to sleep one. Just to fucking prove a point. It's like, get the fuck over yourself, man. <laughs> yeah. And I think you got like, caught with like fake plates and shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, what I, what I just try to get into my client's head, which is kind of what you were talking about, AB is just like, Hey, just get up and get moving every day. I promise you that you will feel better on days that you get up and you do something early, especially like obviously people have different schedules. Some people don't start work until midnight and they work all night. But hey, when you get up, if you can just move, even if it's for five minutes, I promise you just getting that circulation flowing, getting that blood pumping, getting your body and your mind connected to each other. So many people I think nowadays just like wake up, get on their phones, start scrolling, go drink their coffee. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of zombieing their way through the first couple hours of mm-hmm. their day. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. And if you can, if you can just get them into that habit of just like, dude, I don't care what it is. If you just want to wake up and do some toe touches and some wall slides i'm super happy with that just get up and do something you know what i mean and i promise the days that you do that you will always be more productive be more mentally happy like just be more just feel better throughout the entire day have more energy anything literally anything and obviously there's a time to push and there's a time to really get after it but for the most part it's just about consistent movement yeah no i think you hit a hit a tone there as far as you know set the tone for the day you're sluggish for your first two to three hours it's going to be real hard to get motivated to come after lunchtime after you get a full belly yeah i think the phone thing is huge the phone you know like that's like i mean my alarms on my phone so like immediately when i wake up like yeah i relate to that like i'll turn my alarm off and then i kind of just you know flip through and then like shit i gotta get ready like and i think 
there's a lot of people that have that same thing that you were talking about, right? They wake up and it's just like, I'm going to scroll for 30, 45 minutes while I do my, you know, drink my coffee. And they're just kind of zombied out as they go into their day. So I like that. That's, that's really, it's really uh, an easy thing to do for people. Sorry, we got some, I keep hitting my fucking earbud and he's got like 6,000 screens in the background opened up. What was that? I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, man. Um, no, yeah. My what, biggest uh, pet peeve too, as a manager of a gym, um, I'm not like a huge micromanager. I'm honestly pretty like chill. But one thing that I was strict about every single place that I went to was with my trainers, zero phones. There's nothing yeah. worse than seeing a trainer in a session or even sitting behind the PT desk and just like looking down at their phone and scrolling. You know what I mean? Like that's so disrespectful and you are not being engaging whatsoever. It's also a liability because now you're not paying attention and they could be doing something unsafe. So my like big thing is your phone goes away like completely, not in your pocket, not on silent, you know, then you're not pulling it out. Your phone should be away from you during your session. You should go lock it up in a locker and you should just be focusing on that session um, because that's something you should preach to your clients too. Like, uh, have you guys ever, do you guys have the screen time notifications on your phone? Yeah, I do. The other, like maybe four or five months ago when I was just driving for Lyft and working at the restaurant, it was like, your average screen time is seven hours. And I was like, what the f- what the seven fuck? hours i was like do you know how much i could get accomplished in seven hours and that was just for like one week you know what i mean but mm-hmm. that was like a wake-up call for me too like dude what are you doing on your phone for seven hours a day there's i promise you there's nothing productive enough to be doing on your phone for seven days i promise yeah. you you know what i no, mean I think, so yeah <laughs> that's I when think, i really uh, turned people- it around for myself yeah i think people get attached to you know wanting to emulate people who they see that has no impact on their life like social media influencers mm-hmm. or yeah people that look fucking shredded 24 7 you know what i mean it's they have unrealistic expectations on themselves and they have unrealistic expectations of how people view them you know, yeah i think it's it, very i think it can ahead, very sorry. quickly become unhealthy you know what i mean however oh, sure. social media is great because there's this huge influx of information that everybody has access to you know what i mean and mm-hmm. i use social media for motivation for myself you know i follow yeah. some you know chris bum and people like that that i really enjoy to look at and to like see but mm-hmm. mostly i follow people with good content to be honest because i always yeah. want to learn too um but Social media can be a great tool and the internet is obviously a great tool and you can use it for motivation. But I think for a lot of people, probably more than 50% at some point, if not all the time, it does become unhealthy and it does give them unrealistic expectations, um, false information, um, Mm -hmm. confidence issues. You know what I mean? So you really just have to be self-aware and manage that and, and say, hey, is what I'm like viewing and what I'm looking at every day, is this motivating to me? Is this helping me become mm-hmm. better? Is Am I learning something from it? Or is it detrimental to, to my success? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's something that you got to help your clients with too, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I know. I always get fucking clients wondering, you know, what's the next fad diet or what's the next this? You know what I mean? That's another big one you see on, on social media and the internet is, here's the best way to drop 15 pounds in the next two weeks, or here's the best exercise to fucking lose weight. You know, it's fucking, it's mind boggling as far as how many people just click it, sign up 30 days later, they're either reverted back to their original state or they're worse off. Yeah. I mean, that that was my favorite question as a trainer. Hey, what's the best diet to lose weight? (laughs) And I'd be like, 
calorie deficit. You know what I mean? Like that's a stupid answer, but it's kind of a stupid question. Like how people say there's yeah. no such thing as a stupid question. There absolutely is, but there's a stupid <laughs> answer for the stupid question, you know, calorie deficit. I don't care what you're eating. If less calories are in your body, when you go to sleep to, when you go to sleep at night or you consume less calories than you burnt when you go to sleep at night, you'll lose weight. And mm -hmm. I promise you, you'll lose weight consistently and very rapidly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Depending on how much of a deficit we're talking about, but it's extremely simple. There is no diet. That's the best for weight loss. That's the best for weight guy. Like, yeah. and everybody's body responds differently to things too. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I've tried every single diet. Cause I really dove into nutrition for a while when I was in college mm -hmm. I was full keto for two years, which was the longest that I did like any type of fad diet. Um, but I, I was doing it more for anti-inflammatory benefits. Um, yeah. um, so I was doing a, more of an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, I wasn't eating like a lot of red meats. I was doing still a lot of like leafy green vegetables and high fatty stuff and um, like mm -hmm. lean proteins. Um, but I've done full vegan for three months when I tore my ACL. I heard that I was great for recovery was being completely vegan. So I did plant based for three, three months. It was extremely hard and extremely expensive, but I'm glad that I got that experience because now when I have a vegetarian or a vegan client, I'm like, Hey, I can really help you with nutrition. Cause I did yeah. this for, I only did it for three months, but I could share with you all my favorite recipes, like the easy stuff too, like where to get, go get it when you're out on the go and you need something healthy that fits your, your dietary parameters. Um, and I've, I've tried just about every single diet that you guys can imagine, even if it's just for like six to eight weeks at a time, just cause I wanted to see what kind of result that I got. And, um, I kind of wanted to get a little bit more insight into, uh, what that looks like day in and day out. And, and like I said, everybody's different, bro. Like for me, I can pack on size or I can lose weight eating six to eight times a day, small meals. That's how I yeah. tend to enjoy, um, doing my diet. Uh, I just do, you know, three, four, 500 calorie small meals, but I do like six a day. And that tends to work better for me than intermittent fasting, you know, um, which I do kind of just by default. I kind of have like a 10 hour window, 12 hour window where I don't eat at all. Anyways, I don't mm -hmm. like to eat late at night. So yeah. um, when I'm really into my fitness, I'm intermittent fasting just kind of based on my lifestyle. And then I'm mm. trying all these different diets um, at different stages in my program, right? Like when I'm bulking, I use a different diet than when I'm cutting. And uh, I've really loved to experiment with like the diet stuff, the nutrition stuff. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, experimenting and understanding that process, you can empathize with clients who are struggling with that. You know what I mean? That's a good tool you have in your back pocket to be able to communicate back to them. Okay, you're struggling with this. I know how you're feeling. And it just makes them more comfortable with you so to speak too. And also for me, if I don't understand or I, if it's out of my scope, I'm a tool for my clients. You know what I mean? I network. We're trying to network here with physios and, you know, doctors and stuff like that, hopefully soon. But we have a good network just with our, uh, our certifications through uh, Prescript. I don't know if you've heard the brand or not, but just being able to be that tool or be that resource for your clients goes a long ways too with trust, you know, with retention and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you're never too old to learn something too, right? So no, no. you're constantly getting new clients and facing different challenges. And so it's like, it's, it's so good. To, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, um, a negative thing to tell someone, Hey, I'm not super familiar with that, or I don't know a lot about that, but let me do some research and get back to you when they have a question. When your clients absolutely. ask you hard questions that you're not familiar with, it's your 
duty as a trainer to go dive into that and be like, hey, this is the information that I found. And this is what I think is the best action for the question or the nutrition that nutrition uh, or diet that you were bringing up. So like, that's what I love about training too, is that you're having to adapt and you're constantly having to learn. New science is always coming out and it never gets boring. As soon as you stop like learning as a trainer and get stagnant, that's probably when you'll not be successful anymore. Yeah, you'll be behind the curve because science just is rapidly evolving with, with everything, especially in, in this industry too. So for sure. Yeah. Um, biggest pet peeve in the industry right now, what are you seeing? Hmm. I mean, to be honest, I don't really have one. Probably the social media stuff that we were talking about where you can tell that it's just a front and you can tell that people are just trying to make a buck and, you know, like sell whatever they're peddling at the time. And it's just super impersonal. Um, mm. That That's probably my biggest pet peeve. But I'm not really like a guy who gets annoyed at any gym that I go to. And I go to a ton of different gyms. I'm always traveling. And so I'm always trying new, new gyms and being around different demographics of people, different business models. And, um, you know, everywhere is different and everywhere has positives, you know, slightly negatives. But I don't really have like, I'm not really one of those, uh, you know, stickler gym guys where I'm like, oh, this is wrong. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. kind of more interested, like, hey, why are you doing it this way? Like, explain mm -hmm. it to me. You know what I mean? And then sometimes I'm like, hey, that's fucking great. And I'm going to use that myself. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> not really my <laughs> thing, but good for you. Not my thing. For you and keep doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I love that answer 110%. Yeah. Like, for me, like, when I see people out there who just claim to know fucking everything, I mean, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. I don't fucking... Yeah, the arrogance is... Fucking berated by any means, but it's just like, bro, come on. You don't fucking know everything. Or they'll have, like, PMID research things underneath their post, but they get no, like, genuine context behind that. They just give you information, but can't intelligently speak on that. It's like, okay, here's science, but how do you make somebody who doesn't understand that science learn or understand, you know, the context behind all those big, fancy words that you're using? What you said is so important, and I preach this all to my trainers. I'm like, dude, we use a term in the Marine Corps, right? Break it down Barney style. I obviously don't yeah. use that anymore because people are like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? That's a total <laughs> Marine saying. I'm like, you have to make this readable for your clients. You know what I mean? You can use all these big words you learned in, in, uh, in your kinesiology degree in college, and that's fucking great. Like, I'm glad you know those terms and you understand them. But if you're just throwing those out at your clients, it's not – they're not understanding and they're not, they're, it's not relatable. You really have to figure out a way to communicate your knowledge to your clients in a way that they understand and will retain the information. Um, Dude, so I love that point that you just made right there. That's a huge yeah, thing with trainers. I hate when they're just well, spewing a bunch of, a bunch of medical terms and, and anatomy <laughs> and clients are just like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm like, bro, well, that ain't winning shoulder. one year and out the other. You did them no benefit. Yeah, it's like, oh, your shoulder might be a uh, supraspinatus into your infraspinatus because you have no scap mobility. It's like, no, don't fucking, don't do that because it's going to go in this ear and fucking out the other. You know what I mean? So it's uh, my philosophy yeah, is you know, always meet people, always meet people where they're at. You know what I mean? Then build and then build from there. I mean, I've got, I have one guy who's a very, very five Y. You know what I mean? I'll explain the next couple of weeks and he wants to know fucking why, 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 why. And that's when you can get scientific or that's when you can use the big words you know what i mean he's just like that person but most of them are just you know 
what are we doing next couple of weeks? Kind of sit him down. Here's the next thing. Just talk to him like a normal fucking human being. You know, and I think that's uh, definitely uh, gets lost in the sauce for sure. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you, you, you can use those big words, but as long as you use it and then you give a, a brief explanation that they're going to understand afterwards, right? Because then some yeah. of them might retain that information and then you can start using that word to shorten the way that you're training, like in the future. Cause they're like, no, I understand. Um, when, when you say that my, my, um, whatever, like it, I tried to explain the other day what an anterior pelvic tilt was to somebody mm -hmm. and just explain to them that why, how correcting that is going to help them like with just like their, uh, lifestyle, like just day-to-day -day mm -hmm. life. And they were like, Oh, that makes so much sense. You know what I mean? But if you don't explain to them what an anterior pelvic tilt is and how you correct it and why that's important, then they're going to, that word isn't going to mean anything to them. No, definitely not. Definitely not. But, uh, I think we'll uh, go ahead and wrap it up, brother. It's always, uh, Always good to see you post on social media. You have a special place in the heart, for sure. We'll have to uh, plan a trip, get together, for sure. You're only, you're in Denver? Not too far. Not too far. I'm, yeah, so in, I'm uh, in Denver right now. Um, and Go ahead. Oh, no, I was, you were breaking up a little bit. You said you'll be in where, and then you broke up. No, we're, uh, I'll be at a wedding in Estes Park here middle of june oh yeah hit me up bro i'd love to get together with you while you're in denver and then i'll extend this to both of you right now i just found out about this business venture in austin texas but think willy wonka of fitness dude like there's a lot oh, of fuck. ideas right now i'm going down there this summer to uh meet with investors and like kind of like iron out do it some think tanks with the guys that are involved um, but it's one of my old bosses that I've known for a, forever in the fitness community. He's starting a new business venture and we just bought 84 acres of land in San Antonio and is going to build okay. just a massive uh, fitness concept. Once I, we start ironing that kind of out, we'll have to reconvene. And then if I do end up moving down there and general managing this thing, you guys are more than welcome to come down. We want to have it just to give you a little bit of our concept. We're also going to have it double as a PTSD retreat for veterans. We're also going to have it oh, double sweet. as like, we're going to host like breathwork seminars and yoga retreats that people actually stay on the property overnight and do like a 48 hour yoga retreat, wow. breathwork seminars, things like that. Um, so it's going to be like the way that I'm envisioning it in my head is like cello for fitness people. You know what I mean? Dude, that's but, dope. Yeah. And just lots of different events and stuff like that. So once we start ironing that out we'll have to reconvene and i'll give you guys a better picture of kind of what direction we're heading with it and then obviously if it gets open you guys should come down and visit oh yeah always uh always down for a road trip but i'll, I'll shoot you a message here in a couple of weeks and kind of see if we can link up at least uh have a couple of beers together reminisce on old times you know what i mean so always uh sounds good brother yeah. to see your face yeah yeah sure. thanks for your time brandon appreciate you man let, let me know great talk yeah, it was really nice to meet you, AB. Good to hear about your guys' business, too. I wish you guys all the best of luck in fitness. And just let me know how I can help. You know, you can as a resource. I'd love to talk business with you guys and work through problems that you're having. That's my big, That's my favorite thing to do is just, like, really work problems when it comes to running a business. So use me as a resource. Happy to help. It's great, meet, great to meet you, AB. Great to see you, Chris. And hopefully I can see you here in Denver. Oh yeah, man. Go go get a nap. All right, guys. Have a great rest of your Saturday. <laughs> you too, yeah, bro. Have a, <laughs> have a great rest of your Saturday, guys. See you. See you.